1: Right, let's get uh, across to the bulletin. I don't have to go too far from home to talk to this gentleman either. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin is uh, with us this morning, and Aidan, of course, uh, with your all-round background, you'll have been keeping a a close eye on the FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, Let's uh, talk about what you've seen in terms of attendance so far, particularly.
0: Yeah, morning to you, Smithy. I hope you're well. Um, Another weekend, very little sleep, uh, just trying to Mm. to watch everything over the weekend. But... um, Look, I think I think it's been an encouraging start um, in terms of attendances. Uh, I know that there was over forty thousand there uh, <laughs> for the United States versus Vietnam the other day. Uh, there was uh, over twenty thousand for the Spain Costa Rica game, um, and obviously, you know, a great attendance of forty two thousand uh, for the New Zealand Norway game the other night. And I think I think the the, the great thing is pre sales have been good. Um, I know people kind of may frown on that and say, have they really? But I think they have been good for this country. I think people have, uh, have managed to buy tickets in advance and uh, commit to going. But I think now there is capacity where people can still rock up um, and uh, maybe not on the day, but they can they can buy in advance. And I think New Zealand's opening win will really, really accelerate things and, uh, and, and see this tournament grow and grow in New Zealand. And also over in Australia, you know, again, good viewers, uh, good viewing numbers and good attendances. So I think it's been a really positive start to the tournament.
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing too, if you look at uh, the, the amount of memorabilia and um, you know the, the country's colours that you see in the crowds, um, I would imagine there's quite a lot of uh, tourist engagement into this. I think quite a lot of numbers coming to our country.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people coming to the country. I think that's clear to see. Um, which is fantastic for our economy. Uh, It's fantastic for the tournament because it just brings that that carnival atmosphere to each and every fixture. And, you know, um, the other thing is it probably just shows how many different pockets of uh, people we have living in this country, you know, um, when people can turn up and they're actually New Zealand, uh, living in New Zealand, but they are from so many of these different countries from around the world. So it's their opportunity to come out and support their the homelands and um yeah between that and all the the people that are coming from overseas it's it's really been a positive experience
1: oh, i see in terms of the broadcasting fifa have uh split the broadcasting whites away from the men's world cup uh so they've become independent The women which means they can generate their own level of interest and of course with that their own levels of uh income
0: yeah that's right and i guess there was that uh There was a little bit of a problem, wasn't there, a couple of a couple of months ago, when Infantino from FIFA was basically, you know, accused, I guess, of holding some of those big European powerhouses to uh, to ransom because they weren't uh, paying what he and FIFA expected was the the right amount of money for those rights. Um, And I guess, you know, some of that came into the fact that this is in a very different time zone to Europe. Um, so it, it probably does restrict the number of people that we'll be watching in Europe, but um, but I think it, it seemed to resolve itself. And you're right, you know, the the more independence that this tournament can have from the men's game, the better. If it can stand on its own two feet, that's what we want uh, for women's sport, not just in football, but in all sports really. So this is um, the biggest the biggest sport in the world, and they're leading the way.
1: What about the standard of football? I mean, I was a little critical in the sermon of the finishing. Um, I, I think it could be a lot better than it was. Um, but then again, I suppose in reflection, World Cups are not about big margins of victory, are they?
0: No, they're not. And I think, uh, was it was it Spain that had 38 chances or something like that on goal? I okay. can't quite remember the exact number. But you're right, so the finishing perhaps hasn't been the best But equally, yeah, it's about um, securing wins, securing three points, uh, and then just progressing to the next round at this stage. You know, I probably would have expected the United States, for example, to to beat Vietnam by a few more goals. They had the chances to do so, they didn't take them. And that's a work on for them and for other other countries. So I think uh, as the tournament goes on, uh, the the strikers throughout the tournament will probably get a little bit sharper um, and we'll see hopefully plenty of goals.
1: Well, on Thursday night, um, uh, up there at uh, the Events Centre, what was it, the Events Trust? Is, uh, anyway, where, where they played the uh, uh, South's NBL finals, um, we were bemoaning Hawks Bay fans, a goaltend that uh, knocked us out and sent the Canterbury Rams uh, through to the next phase. And lo and behold, not only did they go through the next phase, they won the whole damn thing in a very emphatic fashion in the fourth quarter. So, and first time, I think, in what 31 years, I've got a title, the Rams.
0: Yeah, they have, and credit to them. And, um, yeah, Thursday night was certainly pretty tough to take for the Hawks and the Hawks fans. Um, But, you know, that said, uh, they still had a chance to go through during overtime, and it was the Rams that uh, managed to compose themselves for that uh, overtime period, and they ran out... um, pretty decisive winners in that overtime period you know unfortunately the hawks um just couldn't get it back together they couldn't quite get over that mental hurdle uh, that, that that last play um confronted them with um but yeah you're absolutely you know things could have been different but there's always ifs buts maybes in all sports and um the rams took their chance they used that that overtime period won another game, got through to the final, and they'd done the business. And, um, you know, they finished third in the table in the regular season as well, Smithy. So uh, I think what it shows, and I think we've all known this for a little bit of time now, is that on any given day, any team in that league can beat another team. So really it was about who could put a run together in the playoffs when it really mattered. And credit to the Rams, they put three games together and um, done the business. <laughs>
1: Rightio, uh, the Ashes are done. Australia retained the Ashes in an unfortunate manner, I think it's fair to say. At the, at the end of the day, they went there to do that. They won the World Test Championship. They managed to hold on to the urn. Uh, but uh, Manchester weather, Manchester weather, eh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty grim up there sometimes, even in the height of summer. And I guess what was interesting was we, we knew the weather was coming. The forecasts were that days four and five were going to be bad. So um, Ben Stokes, play, you know, set his tactics accordingly. And I don't think you know there's a little bit of criticism. Criticism should he have declared slightly earlier um, on on day three. Possibly, I guess we'll never know Um, But he obviously felt that he needed Those runs, he only went about once So he felt he needed the runs And he took the gamble that he was going to get enough time To bowl them out, perhaps not on day 4 Because day 4 seemed to be the worst forecast But certainly they'd be able to get Back out there on day 5 and they'd have enough time To bowl them out and they'd have enough runs So um, as it turned out they managed to get 30 overs on day 4 And nothing at all on day 5 So again the weather forecast wasn't completely accurate But yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. I think everyone apart from Aussie fans would have wanted that to uh, to go to a, a decider at the Oval. I think it would have been beautifully set up. Um, it, doesn't, it won't quite have the same impact now, but it's still going to be an exciting test. And, you know, England want to win every test. They want to attack. They want to play an attractive brand of cricket. So I don't expect that to change for the Oval encounter.
1: Yeah, and that's an interesting point you make about that brand of cricket, because I think everyone that uh, knows anything about cricket always thought that uh, the Australian attack would be, of all attacks around the world, the hardest one to play that aggressive style of cricket against. Uh, Yet it's worked. It seems to have worked. Uh, And to be fair, they were playing a lot better cricket uh, as the series progressed, and it looked like the Australian bowling attack was waning quite severely.
0: Yeah, and I think think you're right. You know, the the Australian bowling lineup they have made a few changes from test to test. Um, Pat Cummins is the only one who's really uh, been there for for every test. And I guess as captain, you know, that's no surprise. But I think he's starting to show a little bit of tiredness now because not only has he played the ball ashes test, but he's played the ball test championships as well. And we all know that it's very, very hard in this day and age to play all those successive tests. Um, I think, you know, his captaincy is come into question, but I think that's probably just a reflection of how well England have played. They've asked so many questions of him and his side that he um, has been a little bit lost. But I don't think, to be fair, there have been many captains in world cricket at the moment that wouldn't be a little bit lost about what to do next against that type of um, that style of play. And that's really credit to to England. You know that they are putting sides on the back foot. um, And albeit, you know, they made a few mistakes in the first two tests, but the third and the fourth test, I think England have really showed that they are very, very capable. And um, I think you know they can't win the Ashes now; they can they can draw the Ashes. But um, I, I still think that they're going to go on and play a really exciting brand of cricket for the foreseeable future.
1: Would you play Jimmy Anderson in the last test uh, just to say goodbye, or would you think a bit further advanced than that? And would you play David Warner if you're Australia? <laughs>
0: Um, I think I'd probably play both of them to be fair. Um, it seems that Chris Wokes is a little bit sore, um, possibly even Stuart Broad is a little bit tired now. So I think one or both of those might drop out, which helps Jimmy secure his, his place, and then possibly Ollie Robinson or Josh Tongue to come back in. Um, and I think for Warner, oh, I think now that the you know the ashes have been retained um i think he'll he'll keep his place for that last test um yeah he, he's had a tough time we all know his, his tough time against chris broad against stuart broad uh in recent uh encounters and beyond but i i think they'll keep faith of them and see if he can really pull off a, a special innings to close out the series
1: right mucky weather at manchester there was some pretty average uh weather too at Royal Liverpool, but uh, one of the great resistant uh, performance, I think, and when I say resistant, uh, no one really came at uh, Brian Harmon, to be honest. He had five-shot lead at the end of the second round. He had six shots when it was all done and dusted. Uh, Quite a, a, uh, well, I think quite a resilient performance uh, in in a major championship. Yeah, it was.
0: You know, he was a little bit, uh, it's it's very difficult for someone like that on the last day, because Do you you, you just play your normal game? Do you become conservative? Because, you know, you've got quite a big lead. I mean, there are still, you know, you just look at John Rahm on day three and there are still people shooting low, low scores that could have come at him. Um, But I think, you know, I think Kim Kim was four under on the last round, but, uh, you know, no one else, they all kind of got that seven under mark and no one could really push on from there. And because he was so consistent and he wasn't dropping any shots, Um, he wasn't going back to the field to give them a sniff. So, yeah, a lot of credit to him. You know, it it, it seems easy when you've got that size of a lead going into day four, but we've seen plenty of leads be decimated. You know, you just look at, you know, probably what's the best example, best part of 30 years ago when Greg Norman lost that that huge lead he had at the Masters and Nick Felder overtook him. And um, so it can happen. It can really happen quite quickly. So, Credit to him, he held his nerve and he was a decisive winner in the end.
1: Right, okay. Um, just a, as a matter of interest uh, for my housekeeping purposes, the World Aquatics Championships, are they the World Swimming Championships renamed or is this a different m- meeting?
0: No, 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 you so see, your World Championships. That, that's right, yeah. That, that's right. And I think the reason it's the World Aquatic uh, Championships is that it's not just um, swimming, so, you know, there's diving going on as well. Um, so I think that, that they've just basically given it that name so it catches all the disciplines. A water polo, I think, is possibly involved as well. So, yeah, it just covers all the different disciplines of water sports.
1: Well, disciplines or not, uh, Erica Fairweather has been outstanding, a bronze medal, um, and becoming now the fifth ever woman to go into four minutes and 400 metres freestyle. Yeah,
0: outstanding, isn't it? You know, not bad for 19 years of age, is it? Um, And to be on the podium with an all-time legend in Katie Ledecky and also, you know, uh, Titmus of Australia who set a world record, um, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest races of all time. Uh, you know, and that that's not an exaggeration. So for her to get on the podium and to be in that very very special bracket of people to go sub four minutes in the 400 meter freestyle is absolutely huge. Um, I know she's got a couple more events uh, as as the championships go on. I think she's got the 200 meter freestyle. She's got the 800 meter freestyle, and there'll be some some relays as well. Um, but what a start to the week for not only her but for New Zealand um, swimming, just absolutely outstanding.
1: Right, to pick a score tomorrow night at Wellington Stadium, New Zealand and the Philippines, you've seen them both play I think the Philippines uh, were uh, a little bit better than a lot of people thought Uh, Switzerland uh, uh, 2-0 winners over them, so uh, this this is a game I think uh, to be fair uh, Aidan, that everyone looked at within our group and said that's the one New Zealand are going to win that is the one where they get their first ever World Cup victory, but they've already got that now so what are we expecting tomorrow night?
0: I'm going to go for a 3-0 victory for the Ferns. I just think, I think you're right. No one really expected them to get much out of that, that first game, but now I think, I think they're going to be taking confidence out of it now, a real lot of confidence out of that first game, as they should. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they're, they're going to realise that they've got a wonderful opportunity to, to secure a place in the knockout stages tomorrow, um, whereas, you know, before, had they knocked anything out of that Norway game, it would have... It would have been an absolute must-win. I just think they'll have a little bit more freedom now. They've got the support of the country behind them. They've got smiles on their faces. So, yeah, I am expecting a relatively comfortable victory will go
1: 3-0. And we know who they are, which is great. We're recognising our names and faces, and they are becoming a little bit like the fans in that respect. It's amazing what winning can do. Aidan McLaughlin, thank you very much for your input this morning. Have a, a terrific week here in Havelock North.